Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 10 Things I Hate About Me, a show where we are quite literally making a list of 10 things we hate about ourselves. But before we get into today's episode, I have something to share from a reviewer who told us one thing they hate about themselves. This was submitted by Liam, a dear friend of the pod, and he says, I hate how accustomed I've grown to a bidet since getting one. Don't invite me over if you don't have one. I'm serious. Folks, bidet? More like, but don't invite him over if you don't have one in your home. He is serious. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, including one thing you hate about yourself so I can read it on a future episode. Please do it. I'm having so much fun reading them and I don't want the fun to end. All right, so today's episode is a really good one. I'm really excited to share it. I had a very special conversation with our guest. We talked about comedy, community, cultural identity. That's Mambo number five vibes. Okay, yeah, let's jump into the episode before I start singing Mambo number five. Um, I hope you love the episode as much as I did. He's a Brooklyn based sketch comedian and improviser, formerly Philadelphia based. Welcome to the podcast, Wilfredo J. Diaz. Hi, Will. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Um, all right, we're going to jump right into things. Oh. <laughs> are you ready oh yeah you ready to jump in absolutely i never <laughs> i never dip my toes i always cannonball right in so okay we're going to start with roses and thorns rose is the best or most rewarding thing that happened to you this week thorn is the worst or most challenging thing that happened to you this week i'll go ahead and share mine first yes please do my rose and my thorn are the same thing this week and it's that i saw cats the musical <gasps> Okay, I'm not so much of a musicals person, so I I literally could not even tell you what Cats is about, but I assume it's about cats. So it is absolutely about cats. It's humans dressed as cats, which is honestly like strike one. Okay. And I had never seen Cats before. I wasn't familiar with uh, the show at all or any of the songs other than Memory. Is that Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yeah? It's from the twisted mind of Andrew Lloyd Webber. (laughs) I got that. Yeah, good job. And when I was seeing it, I was thinking to myself, like, I wish I had looked up the musical on Wikipedia beforehand because I had no idea what was going on the entire time. Oh, Sam, please do not tell me you're one of those people who look up the synopsis on Wikipedia right before you see a movie. Why are you attacking me like this right out the gate? I'm sorry. (laughs) There's so much I can disagree with that. (laughs) no honestly one thing i hate about me is that i love spoilers i love just spoiling a movie's ending for myself i hate that i hate that i hate that so much for you why (laughs) expect the unexpected how about that you know sometimes i enjoy expecting the unexpected but most of the time i like to know what's going on i have a hard time paying attention i do yeah if i know what's going on then it helps me process (laughs) okay okay i am the opposite where i also cannot pay attention, but keeping me on my toes forces me to pay attention. Yeah, that that checks out. <laughs> I'll try it next time. But for this one, looking up the Wikipedia summary would have helped me. Or actually, the people that I was with, I was with our past guest, Cassandra Kiriasis, and our friend Tim. Both of them said, knowing the plot doesn't matter. <laughs> it would still just be... So, so it's just like the entire show 
is just cats singing songs, introducing themselves. Oh, okay. Every cat has a song. And every cat has a story. Barely. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. They they have a teeny tiny little story. There's like, there's the cat that like eats a lot of food. There's the cat that is good at stealing. Oh my goodness. It's like one trait that defines their whole personality. It's like the one cat that kind of just traveled abroad to Italy for one semester. And it's just like, this is, I'm Italian now. Yes, we should make a modern day cat. With with each of those like little like quirky things you kind of hate about people sometimes. Yeah. I was like, all right, I get it. You, you you changed you changed your own tire one time. I'm very proud of you for that. Uh, not to be like that's a sketch, but like that's a sketch. <laughs> We're writing it down for the future. And there's also this cat that is like the rock and roll cat. He's like the sexy cat, and all the other cats are horny for him. Oh my it's Rum Tum Tugger. That's like the least sexy name. <laughs> This is the least rock star name. The tugger part is like, I don't want it. And he wears like a chain belt to signify that he's a rock star. Right, right. (laughs) That is also famously attached to a wallet. A Velcro wallet. (laughs) Yeah, Rum Tum Tugger was carrying around a chain wallet. (laughs) But yeah, so it it was a fun time. I was sucked in by the end of it. The dancing was gorgeous. Mr. Mistopheles, oh, he brought the house down. So this was a live performance? Yeah. I'm glad you got like what you needed out of it, though. I really did. I wasn't convinced at first, but by the end, I was like, yeah. You came around. Okay. (laughs) So that's my rose and my thorn. That's a good one. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, what is your rose and thorn? Okay. Similar to you, it's it's the same one. Oh. So... It's it, my birthday. Yeah. Happy belated birthday, Will. Thank you so much. Everybody listening to the podcast, say it out loud wherever you are. Say happy birthday, Will. And, and I will feel it. And I will <laughs> feel it wherever you are. <laughs> so it was my birthday this past weekend. And it was very fun. Like on my actual birthday, I spent it with my roommate, uh, Eric Yates, who is also a comedian from Philadelphia. Yes, Eric. And my sister, Nancy. And basically, we spent all day like hanging out. And we went to the movies later that night. And then the next day, I had a party. And that was like super fun. And I felt so much love from everyone. And everyone who was there like made just made me so happy to like you know, have their presence, like, at my house. Like, I love a house party. Sam, you know, I love a house party. You really do love a house party. You go all out, and you do, like, the cutest little, like, invites. Like, you make graphics. You make posters for your party. I do, and I always do, like, straight to invite. A lot of people, they're all on this trend of the close friends, John, and I'm not about that. I'm very, I'm very personal with it, and I will text message you an invite with the little graphic. And honestly, that makes people feel really special. Thank you. I try. I try. <laughs> and it was it was so great. It was such a vibe. Like honestly, like so many like different from groups like from, you know, from just all around and like came to, to my apartment and it went smoothly and it went to like 4 in the morning and oh it was my like gosh. just generally just so fun. I mean, we did lose an hour, so technically three in the morning, but whatever. Oh, yeah. That really, daylight savings in the spring really does sneak up on you and make you be like, whoa, I never stay out this late. And then you're like, oh, this is actually a normal hour. Exactly. I really thought we were raging all night. And I was like, oh, no, we just (laughs) lost an hour. So 
hit to the ego, whatever. <laughs> so so that was all like super fun. So that is definitely the rose. The thorn is after. Oh no. Because it's like my birthday's over. You're not so special anymore. You know, it's you're you're just a normal person again. And it's it's back to, well, time to look for a job. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The day after your birthday, that's a come down. It, it is. It's it's very it's it's a huge like I'm, even though like, hey, I'm still living off of that high. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I like I still feel all the love. But it's like As you deserve to. But it's like, you know, like time to time to knuckle down. Cause I'm currently unemployed. Mm-hmm. So I gotta just like keep trying to look for a job. Celebrating your birthday with a couple of job applications. Right? Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that cherry on top? Whatever. Have you been writing that on your job applications? My birthday is coming <laughs> no, up. No, I have not been. <laughs> but honestly, kind of smart to just drop that in. All right, well, it's time for the big question. Are you ready? Okay. What is one thing that you don't like about yourself? Well, if I had to say, I might have written a few down. Okay, so first things first, procrastinating. I put everything off. And that is my number one flaw. I need a little bit of pressure. I'm like a diamond. I need a lot of pressure for me to shit some gold out. <laughs> that this is this is one of the most relatable things that you could have said to me. I am also a procrastinator. Um where do you think it comes from for you? Do you have ideas? No, I really don't. I think so. I was noticing a lot of the stuff that was like on my list, and I was like, "Oh yeah, these are just like uh, results of ADHD." Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of that, but I think sometimes I expect to just find inspiration. Yes, you know what I mean. Where it's like absolutely. Sometimes I can't just like sit down and then just like pull from nothing. I always need to write everything down. When I think about it, when I like find inspiration, I write it down and then I go back to it. I'm like, how can I expand on this? A true comedian. Yeah. A lazy motherfucker. That is a, <laughs> that is a true comedian, honestly. <laughs> Putting everything on to the last minute. Like, honestly, comedians with work ethic, I'm like, y'all, y'all are going far. Yeah, I can't relate. <laughs> how else do you see this come to play in your day-to-day life, like besides comedy and stuff? Mm, I don't know. There's some things I really am good with. So, for example, like, all that stuff that I just explained, like, that kind of stuff. And, like, you know, when I went to college, famously, I was a huge procrastinator, like, academically. Mm -hmm. But, like, things, like, at home, I am very on top of. I keep a beautiful home. I'm always, like, sweeping, doing the dishes, like, cleaning the tub, like, whatever needs to be done in my apartment, like, that will be done, like, then and there. Like, I don't, like, I never let clothes pile up in my room. Do you ever do that stuff as a way of procrastinating things that you actually need to do? Yes, because <laughs> it feels like I've achieved something. Yeah. And I'm in, in a cheating my mind kind of way. I'm like, hey, I can't be that bad. <laughs> look at look at my beautiful home that I've surrounded myself in. Uh, I must be doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. It's, it's definitely like a, like a cheat code that I've used for like a lot of my life. But I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes you just need to feel like at least you have one thing together in your life. Yeah, yeah. At, You're doing one thing right. Yeah, and it's the one thing nobody sees. <laughs> yeah, but but you know in your heart. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Do you ever have to put pressure on yourself to finish something? Or does it have to be like external, like a deadline? It has to be external. Mm -hmm. So this is another one of the things that I hate about myself. I need structure in my day Mm -hmm. or I'm just going to let it pass by me. I need kind of like either like an itinerary or like things in mind that I know that I for sure have to do on that day or else I'm just not going to get to it and then just put it off. Yeah. Like the amount of things that I have to write down just so I remember I would be a far wealthier man if I just remember to ask the people that have like, like, you know, I've lent out money to, to ask for it back. Because I straight up just forget about it if I don't write it down. Like, I'm pretty sure Eric owes me like $50. But I don't know what from. I just know that he does. And I'm like, I let it go. Whatever. I'm the friend that is always forgetting to Venmo people back. That's one thing I hate about myself. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. Honestly. Yeah. But the thing is, you look cheap. But it's not out of, like, being cheap. It's not out of, like, if you want me to pay you back, I'll pay you back. It's a forgetting thing, isn't it? It's a forgetting thing. And honestly, I was horrified when I learned that Venmo etiquette is a thing. Horrified. Oh, this might be embarrassing for me. What's Venmo etiquette? literally stuff about like how soon after you do the thing do you charge them oh. how granular do you get in like how much money it is how quickly should you expect to be paid back like there's a lot of stuff that I was just like oh we're not all just sliding by on the seat of our pants honestly I don't think of it that much like if I know that I owe someone or someone owes me I'll just like do it right away because mm-hmm. because I'm like if I don't do it now I will forget If I don't do it now, I'll forget. That's my motto. Uh It's not even a motto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was was thinking to myself just now, I guess putting pressure on yourself or like making structure for yourself to do something, that's just discipline. Yeah, and I feel like (laughs) I don't have much of it. Me neither. One, I'm a middle child. And two, I'm like the brother. So I have two sisters. I grew up in like... A machismo culture which is like a lot of latin americans have this like experience where it's like a lot of the women do this things and like the, a lot of the men do that thing and like for me my dad would always expect me to do like you know like manual labor and all that stuff like that but like as far as like the other stuff like it's very it was very put on like my sisters and so like college was like a real reality check because I was like, oh, I got to do all this shit for myself. This is really relatable to me because my family did the same sort of thing. And I would be so bitter that I would get stuck with doing things like washing the dishes with my mom yeah. or like always helping with the cooking. And I would be like, why doesn't my brother have to do it? Why is it always me? Why can't I go mow the lawn? Wait, wait, can you cook? I can but I don't want to. Can your brother cook? Mm, I don't want to put him on blast, but I'm going to say no. <laughs> Boom. Okay. That, that's, this, that was exactly what I expected, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> like, that's the answer I expected because my sisters can cook. I cannot cook because my mom was just like, oh, we'll cook for him. Mm-mm. Not a good idea. Mothers, please teach your sons how to cook. Teach your sons to do anything for themselves, please. (laughs) How to cook, how to wash dishes, how to do laundry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. I remember the age that like, even like, oh my God, even to now, sometimes I'll like go home and I'll bring laundry because you know, uh, free laundry. Hello. Absolutely. Here, we don't have an in-unit shit. Like, 
I gotta pay for that shit now? So every time I visit my parents, I come with like a briefcase full, uh, not a briefcase. Oh my God. <laughs> just like opening a briefcase and all my underwear is like folded. No. Businessman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a duffel bag full of like dirty underwear and laundry or whatever it may be. And even now, sometimes my my mom will be like to my sister, she'll be like, do his laundry and i'll be like she doesn't have to do that i can do that for myself y'all don't need that (sighs) that one got me got me riled up that one got my heart beating and and i knew it would (laughs) i knew you would relate in a way yeah and it's it's the kind of thing where like you kind of question yourself or if you can you even be mad can you even be annoyed because that was just like the culture that they grew up in right that's that's how I feel sometimes yeah it it definitely is like there's a lot of um like forgiving when it comes to uh the way that my parents raised me and my sisters because it's like they very much did not do everything great but they were they were great parents they were great parents but I think a lot of what they did quote-unquote wrong it was from like trial and error like they had a very difficult yeah upbringing like they both were born and raised in El Salvador and like things were a lot harder over there and we sure we do have it a lot easier but it doesn't mean that it's right doesn't mean that it's the correct way to do it yeah yeah my it's a similar story with my mom she was um she was a refugee and she's from Cambodia and sometimes when I think about like what my struggles are now, I'm like, you little baby bitch, your mom escaped a war so that you could be in America and be sad no, about nothing. No, seriously though. Oh my God. <laughs> seriously. Like, oh, I'm struggling so hard with cooking and doing laundry. Like, okay, what about running for your life? Have you tried that? <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. Like my my dad... He was in the Civil War in El Salvador and like as like a teenager, as like a late teenager. That's so scary. He was oh. in war and like as a late teenager, I was like borrowing my parents' car and like going to my friend's basement to get drunk. Like <laughs> I had it way better off. Like in hindsight, I'm like, what did I have to complain about? I'm a spoiled little bitch comparatively. Oh my gosh. Yeah, when I was in my late teens, I was driving around listening to Screamo. Oh my god, I was too. (laughs) I was, unfortunately, a scene kid. I was also a scene kid. It was embarrassing. I was a wannabe scene kid because I wasn't allowed to, like, buy anything that was remotely seen. I wasn't allowed to dye my hair or wear makeup (gasps) either. That's so funny. I, mm, well, I wasn't allowed to either, but I, like, did it anyway. My my parents hated it. Oh my god, they hated that face. (laughs) You know, it's like, you don't understand, mom. Uh, This is who I think I am. Yeah. I can recognize a scene kid from miles away, okay? (laughs) I was was in it. I was in a band and everything. You were? Oh, yeah. I played bass. Yeah, I was, like, very involved in, like, the South Jersey music scene, like, as a teenager. So, like, that, that is one part that my parents, like, loved about it, where they were like, okay, at least he's, like, doing something with, like, community, and, like, he's, like, doing music and all of this. Uh, little did they know it was fucking screamo. Like, I don't <laughs> think they genuinely ever heard the music I played. Do you ever think about, like, what kind of genre they probably, like, thought you were playing? <laughs> I know they were, like, because it's clearly rock. Mm-hmm. But to them, you know, they they don't they don't listen to rock. The rock that they listened to was the Beatles. 
like my first CD I ever bought for myself it was two CDs. It was uh, Kanye West's College Dropout mm-hmm. and um, Hybrid Theory yes. by by yes. Linkin Park. Those were like two very formative albums that I bought as a kid. My parents hated it. Like they hated listening to like Linkin Park. <laughs> like famously, they would just say es- "esas cosa del diablo," which means like it's this is the devil's work. Oh my god! <laughs> Everything goes back to the devil. Shout out to our parents for listening to our devil music. <laughs> I feel like they very much at one point thought I worshipped the devil or something because they're like, oh. "or I know God isn't doing this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, it's time for our second segment. Let's unpack that. I have a series of questions for you, and you can give me short answers. If I want you to expand on it, I'll say, let's unpack that, and we'll talk about it a little more. Okay. All right, first question. What's your hometown, and what's one thing you don't like about it? Uh, West New York, New Jersey is my hometown. West New York, New Jersey? Yes. It's in, Mm. yes. It's in Hudson County. It's like literally right across the Hudson River and it's a very small town, like right next to like Guttenberg and like Union City, like that little area, like right across the bridge. Okay. So I I grew up Mm -hmm. right across the bridge from New York and what I don't like about it is it's being quickly gentrified. Mm -hmm. I guess it's like expected because like New York is like expanding and like the surrounding areas are all being gentrified. Mm-hmm. So, like, New Jersey is, like, no exception. Because I still have a lot of family there. They have a house there. Property is, like, going up. And it's, like... The, at one point, my grandma was finding it difficult to, like, live there because of the rent raise and stuff like that. So, it's, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Don't love that. <sighs> What's one word that describes what you were like in college? Oh, Drunk. Cassandra said the same thing (laughs) like I wish anything was retained from college but to be honest a lot of it was just like I went to a party school so I'm like I'm gonna say let's unpack that (laughs) okay so where did you go to school I went to Rowan University that's in South Jersey Mm -hmm. whenever I hear Rowan University I think like we're in a boat and we're (laughs) Rowan I always thought Rowan Atkinson I love Mr. Bean. <laughs> Mr. Bean. It's really funny. The university, its um, football field is called Dick Wacker. No! No! After Richard Wacker. If your first name is Richard, you need to be really responsible with how you shorten it. Go by Rich. Go by Rich. Just go by Rich. Rich Wacker. That's a little better. That's passable. It's passable, but <laughs> Dick Wacker, come on. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. <sighs> but um yeah, so I went to school there and I don't know. I just it was again, it was like a party school. It's a very small university. I think now at this point it's definitely like expanded a lot more, but it's South Jersey. There's not much to do there but get drunk and like hang out with friends. Mm-hmm. What did you study? I studied urban planning. Oh. Yeah. Like building roads? <laughs> well, like planning them. <laughs> No, no, building them, putting on the construction hat and just going and making the roads. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised to hear urban planning. Um, I would have assumed something more creative from you, to be honest. You know, I would have too, <laughs> because it's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I went into college very much on the mindset of like, I have to be here for my parents. You know, it's like, oh, they 
they came here from El Salvador and they didn't have the education that I am able to get. So like, I have to be here and I have to do this for them. So I very much went to school for, I wanted to be an architect, mm-hmm. but they didn't offer architecture and I didn't have the grades for engineering. So they're like, let's plop you into urban planning. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, so basically I did that. And it was okay. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, you know, no one's like forcing me to be there. But I do think that if I were to like go back and do it again, I would definitely take more of like an arts approach. I literally did not take the arts seriously because my family didn't take the arts seriously. I don't come from a very like creative family. Like my family is creative. Don't get me wrong. But they are not creatives. Like no one is like an artist you know like no one has really taken that angle so it didn't seem realistic to me and my family was always like that's what like white privilege people do Mm -hmm. you know like they can take that gamble and they could take that chance but they're like we just want you to have a secure job and I was like yeah I understand that like I was a kid I was like I get what you want yeah that breaks my heart because I like see the same thing in my own personal journey yeah because I wanted to be like an actor when I was a kid and I decided to like do the practical thing and study communication studies with a minor in cinema studies which is like okay that's for sure yes like looking back I wish that I had gone to like a theater school and studied that yeah I feel like when you don't come from those creative backgrounds Mm -hmm. you don't see the path And you don't know what you are supposed to do if you want to pursue that sort of a career. You definitely don't see yourself in it. Yeah. And especially with like representation, Mm -hmm. like you don't, you literally don't see people who look like you in it. That's why I'm like, yeah, well, like all the white people in my school, they like in the acting department and stuff like that. And like, um, also I went to a very predominantly white school, Mm -hmm. but It's just the thing that you don't see for yourself because you're like, well, that's unattainable. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand what the path was for any type of performing until I was like an adult and seeing how other people did it and hearing even working at Good Good helped me see how comics can like build their career. Yeah. Before that, I would have been like, I have no idea how how stand up works, what the business of stand up is. Yeah. It's a thing that I very much viewed as like a fun thing that people do for fun. Mm -hmm. Like I took an acting class, like one of the semesters of my sophomore year, and I had the most fun in that class. I took it so seriously. I even remember the, the final scene that I did with my other classmate. It left such an imprint in my mind, but I was like, yeah, that's my fun elective. Like, of course I'm going to have fun with this. Like, my roommate took puppetry. Like, yeah, of course you're going to have fun making puppets. I obviously am going to have fun making believe. (laughs) I'm glad that your journey brought you here now. It definitely did. And I don't regret anything. I can't change anything. So it's like, there's no point in, like, wasting my energy wishing that I found this at a younger age. I'm just glad I found it at, like, age 25 when I did, you know? Because I'm like still young. I can't wait for the day that I get to where you are. Because <laughs> I still do feel regret. <laughs> really? Sam, you gotta let it go. I gotta let it go. Thank you for saying that. Because <laughs> you're here now and you're doing the thing that you love. So like, don't waste time 
just keep doing it. Thank you. You're a sketch comedian, improviser, and life coach. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't even navigate my own life, let alone someone else's. <laughs> when friends ask for advice, I'm like, listen, I'm going to give you, I, I'm going to give you a, what I think maybe you should do, but please don't do it because if it backfires, I don't, know, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If there was a zombie apocalypse, Ooh. what would be your fatal flaw? <gasps> My fatal flaw. Oh my goodness. I feel like this is like such a basic fatal flaw, but like glasses. (laughs) I wear contacts. You barely have clean water, let alone clean water to wash your hands and like take contacts out. So I'm going to have to have glasses. And like, I'm I'm very like flimsy and like kind of like, I would like to say that I'm like a very physical comedian with like my bits and my sketches. And I like using my body. But the reason is because it's funny. Because I I move about funny. <laughs> so my glasses would constantly be knocked over. Like, I don't see a good scenario where I just, like, survive so many amount of years with, like, the same pair of glasses that just can happen for me. Yeah, and there's no eye doctors in a zombie apocalypse. No. I'm going to have to raid a doctor's office just to find the right <laughs> prescription and, and and hope that I like the way I look. Because also, listen, if there's a zombie apocalypse, this is my second flaw. I am slaying. Okay, bitch? I <laughs> am looking good. I am making the <laughs> muck work for me. There are these TikToks that are like what I would wear if I was on The Last of Us. What I would wear if I was running from a clicker. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly those TikToks. And every time I see them, I'm like, and you absolutely would. And you would look fabulous doing it. And amazing, sweetheart. <laughs> This is the second time that somebody has said glasses. Because it's like a basic necessity. Like there are people that I know that need glasses, but won't wear them in their day to day. And I'm like, damn, you're just raw dog in life without vision. Like what? That's scary. It is scary. I get scared if I like, if I'm like out in public and one of my contacts comes out and then I'm like, well, I have to take the other one out. That's a scary day. That is. I got to get home ASAP. That it's like mayday, get home immediately. (laughs) I will say though, if I know the day ahead of me, I will prepare for that. I will have like extra pair of glasses just on me. Okay. And contacts. Okay, so you'll be prepared. That's one thing I won't doubt about myself in the zombie apocalypse is I will be prepared. I am always ready in this life. You need chapstick, eye drops? <laughs> you need to charge your phone? I could do that for you. I got an extra one right here. One thing we love about you, you're always prepared to slay. Absolutely. <laughs> I even carry around tape measure. Oh my god. In case I need to measure something. That is next level. That is a very positive trait. No one's doing it like me. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. What is your weirdest hidden talent? I don't think I have a hidden talent because if I have a talent, I'm going to make it known. <laughs> That's a good answer. Okay. Um, if you could acquire any skill that you don't currently have, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? I will say being a morning person. Ooh, that's a good answer. Yeah. That that's actually one of the th- the things that I hate about myself is that I'm not a morning person. I'm writing it down. Please do because it's a fatal flaw for me. I love waking up late and it's so it's so gross. It's so ill. It's like, <laughs> oh, you've lost you've lost half the day. What are you doing? That is the worst feeling when you like start your day and then you're like, oh, it's 1 p.m. 
disgusting. Right? But it's like, all right, all right, I have, I will say this, like, in this point of my adulthood, I have absolutely capped myself at 11.30. I will not allow myself to, like, not get out of bed by 11.30. But still, I feel like that's still pushing it. I wish I could be, like, these, like, 8 a.m. rise and grind bitches where they could just, like, get up. One alarm? Are you kidding me? One alarm wakes you up? Ooh. <laughs> no, no, no. I have several alarms within, like, three to five-minute windows. Like, I have, a, I have an alarm for 9.30, 9.38, 9.40, 9.50, 9.53, 9.55, 9.58, 10 o'clock. Why do I need that many? <laughs> I Because I need someone to constantly just, like, kind of nudge me and push me and be like, hey, hey, you need to get up. I I am in shock at how much we have in common because I do the same freaking thing. And I'm at the point where I just sleep through the noise. Yeah. I, I'm, like, in, like, that little space between being awake and being in dream world. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, listen to that music. I, like, dream that I'm, like, dancing along to it. Yeah, I, I definitely – okay, I will say this. I'm a very light sleeper. I can't sleep past it. But I'm, like, so stubborn towards the alarm that I will let it ring for a little bit. Like, it will bother the fuck out of me. But I'm like, no. I'm cozy. I'm not gonna allow that. I'm not gonna allow that in my house. Okay. What's the last thing you spiraled over? Oh, you know what? I'll say, um, yeah. I think this is also included in the procrastination section of things. Like, I waited last minute to invite people to my party. Mm -hmm. So, my party was Saturday. I invited people the Sunday leading up, which is not enough time to tell people about a party. I feel like the rule is like two to three weeks. We're all adults. We have things going on and we have to, we have to set aside (laughs) those dates. But I'm such, again, I'm such a procrastinator. I was just like, I guess I should get around to telling people about this thing. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes I wish I'll say it. I, I wish things worked word of mouth leading up for like a month. I was like, I'm having a party. Write it down. Set aside. I was very much like, like whisper in your ear. Like bring that back. Okay. All right. I have some questions for you. Yes. Shoot, please. (laughs) My first question for you as like your comedian self. Yes. Okay. So you moved from Philadelphia to New York. What was that transition like? Like not just in terms of a new comedy scene, but like a whole new life and friends and everything. So I will say this. I grew up in this area. I love this area. I love New York. I love New Jersey. I have always been working towards moving back. So I moved to South Jersey around high school. I lived there for high school and college, and then I moved to Philly. But my plan was always to come back Mm -hmm. and live in this area. So for me, this is something I had been like ready for for a very long time. It was just a matter of when. What made you decide to finally pull the trigger on it? My best friend, Christina Anthony, we all remember Philadelphia comedian Christina Anthony. She lives in LA now. We very much held each other accountable. And we were like, September 2020, we are both moving to New York no matter what. So then the pandemic happened. Yeah, famously. Famously. (laughs) A little thing called Mr. Pandemic. (laughs) But I was very much still on like the side of moving to New York. And luckily, the way that things worked out. So Christina and I were going to move up at the same time, but not together. That was never the plan. We love each other to death. 
we know we cannot live with each other. And so I was going to move with Eric Yates. We moved here September 2020, exactly when I always wanted to. It was just a matter of like giving myself this deadline and like things working out. That's that's beautiful how that all worked out. This area has always felt like home. I'm like closer to family. Like it's so easy to get to my sisters from here. This is always the scene that I've wanted to be involved in. It it was just a matter of like, it was a matter of time. Yeah. What was the transition like in terms of adjusting to a new comedy scene? Not because not to be like, what's the difference between the Philadelphia comedy scene and the New York comedy scene? But like, what was it like to have to like learn, learn the ins and outs of a new place and like adapt? I think number one what helped me adapt to the change was community I built such a strong community in Philly and like such a good group of friends that by the time I moved here there were already other comedians who were from Philly who like now lived in New York and just kind of pushed me to other people they were like hey this is my friend he's from Philly but he just moved to the city Trust me, he's good. Just put him on a show. So it's very much the help of like Jolie Darrow and like other Philly comics who were already living here and other New York comics that had met in the past from going up here and doing shows. So again, like community based, like people that I've met where we've both left impressions on each other. So by the time I moved here, it was pretty easy to dive in and like find good people, find shows to be on. And then just work from there. That's so beautiful. I will forever be thankful to the people that took me in and became my community when I first moved to Philadelphia. That was more in terms of like the music scene, but that really like kickstarted a lot of things for me in a way that I don't know if I would have been able to do by myself or at least as quickly as I did with music. It took me a while to find comedy in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with that. It's it's something so scary jumping into like a city where you're brand new. But the thing about that is like that kind of excites people. I was booking shows just solely based off of like the community that I had built before and people just being like, trust me, he's good, throw him on. And then just a matter of like proving yourself. That's so nice. It really was. Like, I feel very fortunate and I see community being built around me. I'm seeing new comics come up and new comics come up together where I'm like seeing them build community with each other where I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I cherish so much in Philly. And like, it's wonderful to see them do that. What has your journey been like as a comedian? Like, how did you get your start? Oh, oh my God. So after college, I got a job with my university. I was working part-time there, working part-time retail. And just like, I don't know, I was so lost. I didn't know what I was doing. So there was like a year of like trying to just find joy in life and like trying different things and stuff like that. My sister Nancy, we are very similar. A lot of people think we are twins, not even just how we look, but kind of how we act around each other. One day we were bored at home and we were just like, let's do some improv. (laughs) And we had no idea what we were doing, but we just Googled how to do improv. And then we were doing it and we were like cringing at each other because like, one, we wouldn't fully commit, even though it's like the safest space you can be. It's like with your sibling. And two, we just like didn't know what we were doing. And we we're just like, uh, let's just take a workshop or something. And the closest workshop was in Philly. It was at the Philly Improv Theater. We took a workshop and I met Christina Anthony there. 
And then we all kind of like fell in love with improv. This was like something none of us had ever done. And we were like, let's all take a class together so we could like do this together. Nancy, she went off to be a nurse or whatever. (laughs) She like had to go and save lives and like become a registered nurse. So she did that. But me and Christina, we kept doing comedy and like we, we found like such an excitement in improv. And then we also started doing stand-up together. So like there was like a full year where I was doing stand-up and was doing open mics. I was doing all these like other generally comedy classes, like trying to learn as much as I can. So like I very much started from just like a love for this like new thing that I had found that I'm like, I just hadn't ever felt that excited about anything in my life before. And that's when you know. That's when you know. Oh my god. I've never I've ne- okay, I've never said this out loud, but it was a very pivotal point of like pushing myself to like do something outside of my comfort zone and kind of like say fuck it all when Donald Trump won the election. Yeah. When Donald Trump won the election, I was like, we can kind of just do anything, can't we? Yeah, that's what that's what got me um doing music and and taking music seriously. Yeah. Yeah, where it was like, oh, the world is going to shit. Might as well like do what what I fucking enjoy yeah I think that's really relatable as a turning point I think I've heard that from a lot of people that's so funny especially people of color who were just like I'm not gonna hold back anymore I'm gonna do all the things that I wanted to because because what the fuck (laughs) yeah the world's burning anyway let's have some fun exactly yeah there's one quote from Jim Carrey that always like rang true in my ear the gist of it was like he has witnessed that you can fail at doing something that you did not love so why not try to do something that you love and run the risk of failing at that because at least you know you tried yeah and it's just like the perspective change I was trying so hard to fit myself into this like professional becoming an urban planner like a city planner And it was just, like, stuff that I just didn't really interest me, but I was, like, this will get me paid, this will, whatever. I'll live a comfortable life. But I'm, like, oh, yeah, I could also fail at doing that. Mm -hmm. That could also not go my way. And so I just kind of said, fuck it all, and was, like, maybe I'll become a comedian. Yeah. Maybe I'll find success in that. Yeah, one thing that I wish that I had learned sooner or decided sooner is that I'm not going to put energy into going down a path that I don't care about. Because like sometimes I'll be like, maybe I should think about, you know, building my skills to do something so that I can get like a higher paying job. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, Sam, that cannot be how you spend your time. You have things that you want to do that are more important. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I found comedy was a very like pivotal moment in my life. It was the moment where I kind of decided where I was going to start living my life for myself and not for anyone else. You know, like, I love my parents. and I'm so grateful for, like, what they've done to, like, set me up for life. But I was living my life for them for a Mm -hmm. very long time, for a very long time. And not even with, like, the academic stuff and, like, the professional stuff, but also with my queerness, Mm -hmm. where I would, like, repress a lot of my queerness because that's just, like, like, in Latin American culture, again, there's, like, this thing called machismo, where it's, like, what it means to be a man and what defines being a man and I've always just like never related to like their idea of what a man is mm-hmm. it got to a point where I was just like understanding myself more and more and was like I need to let that go and like live life 
for myself and experience the things that I think that I would love instead of just like, like, I'm not even living with my parents anymore. Why, why does it matter what I do mm-hmm. my own time and my own life when it, it shouldn't concern them? Mm-hmm. Living a life that you love and living an identity that you love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the most me I've ever felt. Oh, like I love hearing that. <laughs> a lot of people are terrified of aging. Mm-hmm. When people hear, especially in the scene where like there's so many young kids and they're like, oh my God, you're how old? Oh my God, you look so young and blah, blah, blah and all of that. It's like, I can't imagine what my life will be at, at your age and stuff like that. Where it's like, I'm so secure in my age. I love being 30. I love, I'm 31. And I'm only getting better and hotter? Are you kidding me? Yes. (laughs) Like the thing is, is like, oh, it don't stop. This train does not stop. Wow. Oh my God. I really, I really cannot wait until I am where you are. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. And it's it's all about like accepting yourself and like doing little things for yourself that make you happy and like just truly loving yourself. Man, like I fucking love being 30. Like, are you kidding me? One thing you love about you is that you're 30. 31. <laughs> That's right. Pop off. <laughs> is there anything that you don't like about yourself as a comedian? Not really. Like I I kind of love the like little subsection of humor that I do like I do a lot of characters and I do a lot of character work Mm -hmm. like sure sometimes I miss doing stand-up but not 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 enough to like put all my focus on it I guess I wish I was like better at like being a political comic or like having some Mm -hmm. sort of like position there but like not really because to be honest a lot of my humor is like very dumb (laughs) if I like read out loud the characters that I do on stage like it's it's very dumb is but it's fun I don't know that's that's what I love so much about my style it's like I have fun doing it young dumb and fun honestly that's the ride I'm living till (laughs) I die I feel so young at heart like, I don't think that will ever go away. I really, uh, <laughs> you're really getting me right here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So we are nearing the end of the episode. And so far, we have three things that you don't like about yourself. Only three? Yeah. What we're going to do next is a speed round. Oh. So I'm going to pressure you into coming up with things that you don't like about yourself. <laughs> okay. Okay. What is number four? Uh, sometimes my hands get clammy when I get nervous, like say I'm on a date or something and I try to hold hands or something like that. I definitely have to do the pat down on the leg. Yeah, the pat down. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of embarrassing. I don't love that. Um, Number five. I, I, it's really hard for me to focus. Unfortunately, my brain, the way my brain works, I'm just like focusing on a million things at one time. So it's really hard for me to like narrowly focus on one thing. So that's one. That's another. Another one. A lot of people hate this about me. Oh, no. (laughs) uh, But I think it's endearing. I constantly have to pause movies and like pause TV shows because I need to like talk about it while it's happening. That is so funny. (laughs) People don't like that. Some people like will watch movies with me and like and they're like, we're not doing that again. You know, I would rather have you pause and talk about the movie 
then try to talk while the movie is happening. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing where it's like, hello, I'm doing us a service. All right. I'm keeping a dialogue while also <laughs> maintaining the focus on the movie. All right. I'm not distracting, but sure. Will it take us three and a half hours to watch one single movie? It might. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I should not because Eric is the same way. And the way we watch movies, it took us three and a half hours to watch the Justice League movie, the director's <laughs> cut. Like, it took us so long because we always had to pause and talk about what just happened. Yeah, I would rather do that. I would rather pause. Sometimes I'll, like, try to say something during a movie that I think is, like, funny. And when and when nobody answers, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> nobody wanted me to talk. <laughs> 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 I'm, oh, yeah. I'm being bad yeah <laughs> i'm breaking movie etiquette i will break movie etiquette <laughs> i'll be at a movie theater i just watched cocaine bear Ooh. i was like oh, i have so many things to say i have so many things to say <laughs> yeah like shouting up to the theater attendant being like hey can we pause i have something i want to talk about <laughs> yeah i will like genuinely be like fuck i missed something can we rewind it <laughs> okay what's number seven okay I think this is a major flaw, but also a major, like, positive. I live too much in the moment. I feel like sometimes I will get lost in the moment and act more on emotion as opposed to, like, rationality. I think that it works wonderfully for something like improv and, like, being on stage and being very present and living in the moment. Yeah, that's a skill. It is a skill, but it's also, like, one of my biggest flaws. Learning from experience... I've very much been in a position where I'm like, I need to act more on rationale and how this will affect me in the future and like everyone else and just like not act on the spur of the moment and be so like spontaneous. Yeah, like seeing the bigger picture. Seeing the bigger picture as, as opposed to like being very narrow minded in the moment. Yeah, so. That's a good one. Definitely major flaw. Okay, number eight. Number eight. Um, I'll, I will say this purely off of just like my surroundings. I am very particular. I love this about myself, but I also am aware that it's like a little bit of a flaw. I'll use my home as an example. My apartment is fully reflective of me. It's wonderful. It's, it's beautifully decorated. Sometimes Eric will be like, hey, I like this thing that's kind <laughs> of ugly, but like in a fun way. Like, he has this, like, hideous framed photo of, like, Bert from Sesame Street. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just like, Eric, take it to your room. I'm sorry. I'm going to veto this. This is not going in the living room. That is so funny. I, I'm exposing myself. I am that roommate. I am that roommate that's always like, here's a fun little toy. Here, here's a little, like, portrait of a cartoon character. Let's put it up. For the whole world to see. And don't get me wrong. Baby, I love cartoons, okay? I got <laughs> I got Elmo here. I got Coraline. I got Sonic out here. I got all the plushes, all right? But it has to have synchronicity. It has to make <laughs> sense with everything. Everything here, it has its place. Just put it in its place. <laughs> all right, what is number nine? Number nine. Um, I think this is gross. Sometimes I'll just, like, spit. <laughs> It's a gross quality. I'm aware of it. Like, I w I'll walk around and it's just like such. I also think it's like also like a maybe, maybe not but like a city thing, but it's just like you're, you know, you're on the sidewalk. It's just like, you're just a bit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like, I'm sure like in like 
nicer cities like Raleigh, North Carolina. They're like, people don't spit here. Do you see our floors? Do you see the ground, the concrete? Our floors. <laughs> it's, it's all cleaned and beautiful. And we, and we clean our streets. But here in New York or like Philly, I'm just like, yo, it's already dirty. What's me spitting to the ground going to do? I'm aware it's gross. <laughs> I try to hide it because it's shameful. But I'll do it. I need to spit right now. Oh my God. In your beautiful home. I would, That's I would not never. synchronicity. It's not. <laughs> but it is a reflection of you. Yeah, but unless it's a <laughs> spit shine, I won't allow it. <laughs> All right. What is big honkin' number 10? Okay. Sometimes I'm very on my high horse about not drinking coffee oh my god i don't like coffee but i won't be like i'm better than you for not liking coffee but i need like caffeine to get my day going so i will drink either like a yerba mate or a red bull to like kind of get my day going and get me full of caffeine and energy where it's like this isn't the healthier alternative it's just a different one do you think you're better than everyone for not spending $8 on your little Starbucks coffee when every morning you have a fucking battery acid Red Bull. I'm, I'm calling calling myself out. I'm calling myself out right now. It's like, you're no better than these coffee drinkers, okay? Yeah. So we finally have our list of 10 things, and I'm going to read it oh, God. Right, right the hell now to you. Please do. I, I need this. I need this. <laughs> All right, number one, I hate that I'm a procrastinator. Number two, I hate that I need structure. Number three, I hate that I'm not a morning person. Number four, I hate that my hands get clammy. (laughs) Number five, I hate that it's hard for me to focus. Number six, I hate that I constantly have to pause movies. Number seven, I hate that I get lost in the moment. Number eight, I hate that I am very particular. Number nine, I hate that I spit. And number 10, I hate that I am snobby about not drinking coffee. How do you feel? (laughs) That last one felt so like such a personal attack. (laughs) I was like, okay, Sam clearly drinks coffee. I really do. I really do. Every day. I hate the smell. I can't get past it. I hate the smell and taste, like everything about it. I just, I want no part of it. Everyone thinks that they can give me, they're like, no, 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 you just haven't tried my cup of coffee. It's like, I've tried the, debatably, the best coffee off like an organic farm in Costa Rica. If that wasn't (laughs) enough to sell me, nothing will. Wow. Very firmly rooted Mm -hmm. in your stance. (laughs) Absolutely. How do you feel hearing all of those things that you hate about yourself all in a row? Uh, I think I'm a little quirky. Oh my gosh. I I think I'm a little different. And uh, those are all things that I can definitely work on, but (laughs) they make me a little fun. Wow, I love that. So you so you hate these things about yourself, but you don't really hate these things about yourself. <laughs> I, 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 I hate them. They're things that I can change, but that's that's what growing up is, baby. It's it's all about acknowledging what you're doing wrong and working towards fixing it and making yourself a better person and a better person for everyone to enjoy and better person for you to enjoy. Oh a better person for me to enjoy. 
No, I meant like the like yourself. Like yeah. The, but sure, yeah, yeah, but yeah. but you specifically Sam as well. Yeah, yeah, you you're doing this all for me specifically. I'm doing this all <laughs> for you. All of my life has led to this podcast. No, but yeah, becoming a better person like for yourself. Yeah. 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 That that would be helpful as somebody who is very vocal about hating herself. That would be a, a helpful point of view for me to take on <laughs> honestly i am very i love and also hate. i have such a love-hate relationship for kind of like the self-deprecating mm-hmm. uh humor because at the end of the day i'm still a comic i appreciate a good joke when it's there yeah <laughs> when it's someone that i love and it's my friend i'm like be kinder to yourself please mm-hmm. sometimes i wish people can see like the wonderful person that I see, you know what I mean? Oh, that's that's enough to make me emotional. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I'm a Pisces. I'm always emotional. I'm a Cancer, so I'm always emotional. <laughs> Sam, I I know this already. I I like I feel like very early on I learned that you were a Cancer and I'm like this all makes sense. This all why we click makes so much sense. Yeah. My my sister's a Cancer, my mother's a Cancer, my ex was a Cancer. Like I love Cancer women. That's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so we have reached our final segment. So what do you want me to do about that? And in this segment, you assign me homework for the upcoming week, which can be any task that could help me feel good and hate myself a little bit less. To start, I'm going to talk about how last week's homework went. I set the homework for myself last week. Um, I said I'm going to get some fancy fruit and try something new. Ooh. I did the fancy fruit. I got myself. I think that getting like pre-cut fruit is like such a luxury. Like sometimes you have these like little luxuries that you're like, I would never do that just because it's not practical. And getting pre-cut fruit is one of them for me. But I treated myself to one of those little things of like the pomegranate seeds. Oh, interesting. It was good stuff. It was worth it. Um, And then for my trying something new, it hasn't come in the mail yet, but I ordered myself a little embroidery kit. I'm getting really into crafting. <gasps> Whoa. So I'm doing a good job is what I'm trying That's to say. That's <laughs> wonderful. That's wonderful. That's self-improvement right there. Thank you. <laughs> um, Will, what do you want me to do for this coming week? Okay. So what I want you to do is uh, when you wake up in the morning, your morning routine, go to the bathroom or wherever a mirror, if there's a mirror in your room, but you're like just waking up, right take a moment because i feel often mornings can feel rushed take a moment take a deep breath look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself one thing you love about yourself i'm dead i'm dead on the floor earnestly and mean it i want you to mean it oh my gosh i already know that i'm gonna have a hard time with this one (laughs) but i'll do it I'll do it for you. And that's okay. <laughs> and that's and that's getting outside of your comfort zone. You're so right. Thank you for that. <laughs> I hope you do it. All right. So we have reached the end of the episode. Um, is there anything that you want to plug today? Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Wilfredo J. Diaz. Uh, I feel like usually any shows that I have coming up, I'm always like posting on my story or something. But as far as right now, the only consistent show that i have going on is um thursday nights at the brooklyn comedy collective at 10 p.m it's a little show called demon time and it's improvised sketch so it's a bunch of really talented comedians come in with 
a sketch idea and then we improvise everything on stage. It's a very fun show and it's a free show. It's 10 p.m. on a Thursday at, in Brooklyn. Come through. Nothing like a free show. <laughs> Nothing like a free show. I'm not making any money, so might as well enjoy. Will, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. This was really awesome. Thank you for having me. I knew this was going to be a good time. Like, <laughs> Sam, you are such a phenomenal person, and you're such a talent. Like, I knew this was going to go off gangbusters. Come on, you already know. <laughs> um, and I, I just want to point something out. Please. I've kind of always thought this, but, like, we look alike, and we are dressed alike today. We're wearing the same color. I will say... Are you wearing blue? I'm wearing like a bluish green. Yeah, this is kind of a bluish green, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I will say we could play siblings on a, a TV show because I look racially ambiguous enough where I can be probably casted as either Latino or Asian or native or any like kind of in that circle of things. So this is kind of um, a tangent, but like I'm, I'm going to ask this even though I'm sure the answer is yes. Do people ever like guess your ethnicity? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think with age it has like not happened as much anymore. I don't know what that is about where it's like I'm not getting it as much as I used to when I was like either in my early 20s or like teenage years, but a lot of people would assume that I was Asian and a lot of people would mostly white people would assume that I'm like Native American. Those are the two that I get, Latina and Native American. <laughs> yeah, cuz it's it's like never Asian. People people refuse to believe that I am Asian. I've gotten Salvadoran like specifically where my family is actually from like maybe 3 times in my life. Wow. Like whenever people do guess Latino, they get like generally like Central American. Sometimes they get Mexican or like something like that. I've had one person guess that I'm Cambodian and I was like, you cheated. <laughs> you looked this up. You heard this somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you heard it through the grapevine. This does not count. <laughs> I, yeah, I get mistaken. It's so funny because it's like sometimes people ask me if I'm native and I'm like, well, I mean, technically native, just not to these Americas. Mm, got him. To like Latin America. I'm like <laughs> native to Latin America. I have like a li yeah. little bit of like, you know, but, um, yeah, it's I, I get it a lot. It's it's funny. I used to have this stand up bit too about how I would get like uh, hate crimed, but about the wrong ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. Like I I would get like a lot of Asian hate Ugh. and like a lot of like you know bad words and slurs for like Asian people, mm -hmm. and I'll be like, I think you're mad at the wrong <laughs> group of people, buddy. Yeah, I um. I got called a terrorist in Sprouts once, and I was like, mm, I wonder what the thought is there. Yeah. I almost wish that I could have asked, been like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's like it's like can you can you specify uh what reign of terror yeah like let's unpack that <laughs> yeah exactly it's like maybe we should all have conversations with our racists and kind of be like hmm um when when you when you call me this and you don't know exactly what i am what's that about it's not our job to educate them <laughs> That's right. Not not even for this bit. <laughs> All right. I'm glad that I asked. So thank you, Will. I am too. I'm always happy to talk <laughs> about it because it's so funny. Like life experience sometimes is just like 
I don't know, man. It's a lot to take in. (laughs) All right. This is officially the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, Will, for coming on. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Sam, I love you. Please come I love you, buddy. Oh, I will. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening to 10 Things I Hate About Me. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know one thing that you hate about yourself so I can read it on a future episode. Simba, you want to say something? He's being shy. All right, bye.